Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to Happy Mom, Happy Baby, Parenting SOS. Now, childbirth is a huge thing to experience. And although I'd love to surround myself with only positive birth stories, the reality is not straightforward for many. The lasting impact that birth trauma can have on millions of mothers is frequently overlooked. Now, today we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Rebecca Moore, a perinatal psychiatrist with over two decades of experience treating patients from suffering from infertility, pregnancy loss, anxiety, depression, OCD and trauma. Dr. Moore has a particular interest in birth trauma and co-founded the Birth Trauma Conference and Make Birth Better in 2018 to address this important issue. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, good morning. That makes me feel really old. <laughs> Does it? It's amazing though, isn't it? How you can suddenly rack up two decades of doing something. You're like, oh yeah. gosh. Really old, but in a good way, because I love it. So, you know, it's flown by. Really? And I guess yeah. there's also as your time doing it has, you know, increased and you've got more experience under your belt. It's not that surprising that you become really passionate about one area. Yeah. You know, I was really lucky because I've seen things evolve and change so much over 20 years about how we think about pregnancy, how yeah. we look after people in pregnancy, that the whole conversations we're having, that that's really great to see that, you know, we talk about things a lot more. 
Well, you're certainly a part of that. If you've created a whole conference where people can come together and specifically talk about birth trauma. We had a little thing a little while ago where I shared something about how people love to share negative birth stories when you're pregnant. And actually on that post, I had a few comments from people saying, if you have birth trauma, actually being told that you can't talk about it is a really negative thing. And I had never thought about it. You know, it's not someone like talking about an unhappy holiday where, you know, talk about that bad food catering or bed bugs all you like. It's actually something that they've gone through and experienced. And actually it's so detrimental to not give people that place to vocalise that because it must be a massive thing for them to even feel like they can share. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's a very difficult dance, isn't it? Because we don't want to ever frighten somebody or scare somebody but we have to talk about the fact that birth takes so many different shapes and forms and that not all of that is positive for everybody and I think if you feel that you can't share that it's a really lonely place to be Mm -hmm. and that was my part of drive to set up Make Birth Better was when I was seeing women in clinic and I'd known them for a long time and they were coming back for the first time after having their baby, they just wanted to talk about their birth experience and they wanted to just go through it and talk about it and process it and think about it because so often society just says, we have a healthy baby, so what have you got to complain about? Or they just felt very minimised or dismissed. So that was part of my drive to want to share all the birth stories because there'll be somebody listening today that actually hears some version of their story and feels, gosh, it's okay to talk about that. And that's why it's so important. Absolutely. On Parenting SOS, I ask you to come in with three questions. I would have talked for longer at the start, but the first one is probably very, very important for us to dive into. (laughs) And that is, what is birth trauma? So I think increasingly I like to think about perinatal trauma because you can have your trauma solely related to the birth itself. But often for people, they have layers of different events. So, you know, if you think somebody might come into pregnancy after IVF, they might have a very difficult physical pregnancy. Then they might have things happen during the birth. And then there might be something postnatally, perhaps around breastfeeding. I like to think of it really as something that happens within that kind of maternity journey. Mm -hmm. And really what it is, each person's subjective sense of something about that feeling incredibly difficult, overwhelming, frightening, that really goes beyond your capacity to cope in that moment. So you feel very frightened that something awful is happening and that can be due to lots and lots of different factors. And each person will have their own felt sense of why that felt so difficult. We know that it can affect partners as well. And we know that unfortunately it affects a lot of women each year. So, you know, at least 30% of women will find some part of their maternity experience traumatic. And then a smaller proportion go on to develop a clinical post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's big numbers of women that are having these experiences. And I think we're probably talking about it a bit more and thinking about it a bit more, which is great. But rates are really quite static. And actually, if you look 
are similar across the world. And unfortunately, during COVID, I think, you know, they probably went up yeah. a bit, you know, which you can well understand why that might be the case. So it's really important because it's big numbers of people that are being affected. And I think also just want to kind of touch on the word trauma, because I think that, you know, for some people, that's perhaps why they don't think I've had a traumatic birth, because they might associate trauma with things like war or soldiers. You know, that might be their perception of what trauma means. But really, in reality, there are many things that can cause trauma and birth can absolutely be one of them. We don't have to call it trauma for you if it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. So sometimes I will talk to people about it being a birth that you just can't forget. It's so with you all the time still. And you talk about it to everybody, the person on the bus you haven't met, you end up talking about your birth over and over again. Or it might be the birth that you cannot think about at all. And those can be signs of trauma. So I think sometimes the language of trauma alienates some people for thinking, I can't have had trauma from birth, but you can. So it's good that we're, you know, kind of thinking about that. Yeah, there's a lot to think about within that. Trauma in my mind is letting your mind know it's okay to reframe how things sit in your mind as well. Absolutely. The second question is, how might I feel with birth trauma? Yeah. So everybody feels very different, but we kind of tend to see a cluster of different symptoms that you would expect to see. Sometimes that happens for people incredibly quickly. So I've had people where, you know, they've come out of theatre and are in recovery and they're already starting to have feelings. But actually for a lot of people, trauma symptoms can peak at sort of six to 12 months postnatally or sometimes even in a second pregnancy or a subsequent pregnancy, because you're kind of then going to have to have another birth experience. But typically we see sort of four big patterns of symptoms, I suppose, for people. So the first is kind of reliving the birth. And that might be that you're just going over and over it in your mind, but in a way that feels like you don't control that, that it's just there all the time and you're going through it all and and that your memories are incredibly vivid and sharp and it might even feel that you're actually physically back there in time because it's so powerful and strong or you might relive it in your dreams you might have nightmares or sometimes it can be bodily felt for people so they might feel that they can physically feel a forceps birth again or they might have pain in their scar perhaps. Yeah. All different ways where you're just basically going over and over and over it. But very much it feels like you can't control that. You don't want to go over it again, but it's just sitting there in your mind all the time. Mm-hmm. And then alongside that, you get sort of avoidance symptoms. So there might be for some people, I just can't think about my birth. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to go to a baby group because I don't want anybody to say to me, how was your birth? Which, of course, most people ask those kinds of questions. It might be that you can't go past the hospital, you drive a different route, or it might be that you don't want to have another baby because, you know, you just can't think about it. And that can have a real impact for people sexually sometimes in their relationships. Or sometimes it might be that the baby is really difficult for you because they're a little being that is so linked 
to your birth experience obviously that sometimes can be one of the things that's most distressing for people because having to balance those two things together is really really hard Mm. and then the third group of symptoms is sort of feeling very on high alert so trauma really you know this terrible thing happens to you where perhaps you feel that it's completely out of control you're going to die you feel overwhelmed You then come away from that really feeling that the world is unsafe. And so you're kind of scanning for risks, expecting other things to happen on sort of high alert. You know, if you think about those little meerkats popped up and kind of scanning around, I always think, you know, that's quite a good analogy because you're literally like looking, scanning, waiting for something to happen. And often that flicks onto people for their babies. So they're worried that, gosh, is something going to happen for my baby? So they might be checking the baby all the time, you know, not able to sleep, watching the baby, checking them through the night. And then the fourth is just really a sort of altered sense of joy, negativity, feeling worried. And I think particularly pertinent to kind of mothers and parenting, there's often a lot of shame and guilt of, I didn't birth well enough, I failed, my body failed, I didn't do it right, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think you often hear people talk about. It's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard. I feel like I love the idea of a birth plan, but Mm. I think people then get so set on a birth plan that when it deviates, it's a really emotional thing a difficult thing to kind of go I didn't do what I set out to do and actually Mm. I don't know whether it's when we write those things or when we think up those ideals that we have going into birth whether we kind of go this is what I would like however I understand that it could deviate from this and I accept my body for whatever it does you know but again it's very easy to rationalize that when you're not living it yeah I think that A lot of this, you know, would feed into sort of broader antenatal education probably for me. I think we could do a lot antenatally to really inform people about birth. And I think it's one of those conversations, again, where we could do more to empower women and their partners without scaring them. For me, it's that you can have birth preferences of what you hope to happen and absolutely of course that's a good thing to think through but I think what's missing from that is a conversation of so okay that's what we hope will happen but say that you need to go to theatre what would you like to happen in theatre what can make you feel more in control in theatre And do you know about a forceps birth and a Vontu's birth, what that really means, what Mm -hmm. the risks are? And so many times I speak to people and they say, I didn't have any of those conversations. So when suddenly in the moment you're tired and in pain and worried and somebody says you need a forceps, you just can't compute it, understandably, because you haven't even dreamed that this might happen to you Mm -hmm. and I think if we did a bit more of the kind of conversation beforehand that would really help people to feel less traumatized in the moment yeah I'm pretty sure I've read you you've written somewhere I think this is the right number that 50% of women who go through birth trauma won't talk about it they won't actually address it they'll just kind of hide it is that right that's all perinatal mental ill health So anything, depression, anxiety, 
because there's such a stigma around am I going to be judged yeah will people tell me I'm not being a good enough mum um and you know the basic fear for most people underneath is are you going to take my baby away from me you know, the first time the midwife was coming to see me at home, I was like, I've not got anything together. She's definitely going to take my baby away. It's interesting that so many women, that's where their mind goes to, even mm. though we've never met a single person who's, you know, <laughs> maybe, but, yeah. you know, hopefully. And I think because we don't see each other in that very raw state of the early days mm. anyway, so then pile on everything else and mm. your mind just takes you to different places for sure. It's also for me, it's so difficult because we ask people to reach out for help. And, if, yeah. you know, it's so hard sometimes to reach out when you don't really know what's going on. You're not sure if it's normal or not. You're worried how people are going to, what will people do with that if I tell yeah. them? We do know that, you know, sometimes people do pluck up the courage and it is hugely courageous to do that and they have a great response but sometimes people don't so you know it's very variable as well how people's stories are met mm. what I would like to see is us to have spaces where postnatally at the six to eight week check which doesn't even really happen for some people anymore or it's online that instead of just being asked about bleeding and given a leaflet about contraception which is probably the last thing on most people's yeah. minds at their six week check of course it's important but that we could have a space just to say how are you how was your birth how did it go just on a kind of human level yeah. because for a lot of people that's their only big chance where they feel like oh, can I start this conversation mm -hmm. and then you know it really gets reduced down to kind of feeding and contraception and nothing more and I know part of that is because GPs are so time pressured and this yeah. is not a kind of anti-GP thing at all it, it says we need to make these spaces for women to come and talk yeah There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We asked the Happy Baby community to send in some questions for you. There were lots you know, and I think it does definitely feed into that whole idea of Instagram. You can just send up a question. No one else needs to see it. Yeah. So someone has said, where do you start to get over giving birth in the pandemic? Scared, alone and unprepared. I mean, all those women during the pandemic, yeah, which this yeah. 
other side of am I going to be allowed anyone in with me? Are they going to make it? You know, is this going to be a very lonely, isolated experience? We know the images of midwives and their PPE and very like it's so easy now that we've moved on and things are back to normal for nearly everyone to kind of forget those images that we were seeing in hospitals. Yes, absolutely. I mean, first of all, like I just want to give you a big dollop of love and a hug because that actually makes me want to cry. Mm -hmm. Just like you can take yourself there of what that must have been like. So strange and so frightening. But I think there are lots of different places that you can find support. So You know, obviously for a lot of people, formal support routes come for most people via their GP. It may be that they can refer you for some therapy. There are lots of new specialist teams that focus solely around trauma in the UK. So sometimes they might be able to offer you a piece of support just to kind of unpick that experience Mm. for you. And for you to say, you know what, that was really tough. And you absolutely deserve that space and time. There are lots of communities online, I think, which can be really super helpful. So, you know, you can look at Make Birth Better, you can look at the Birth Trauma Association. I'm not saying that you necessarily have trauma, but there are definitely, you know, lots of people there that have spoken about Mm. their experience of giving birth in the pandemic. There are some blogs that make birth better around that. But I think, you know, for me, I think a bit of therapy might actually be really great for you to kind of unpick that all. Often people don't need a lot. They just need, you know, a few sessions to feel really heard. And for somebody to actually say, oh, that sounds really hard. I'm so sorry that happened for you. Because it was so tough for people. And also beginning to parent was so tough because everything people imagined didn't happen and they couldn't see their family. And so I would look at those as initial places of support. Someone has said, what are the signs of birth trauma, which we have touched on, but she said it took her two and a half years to realise that she even had a traumatic birth. I think that's not uncommon. You know, often it takes a while for it to kind of filter through and for you to kind of recognise what happened. And perhaps it's not been framed to you as perhaps you felt that everyone said you've got nothing to complain about or so you feel like, well, maybe I can't talk about this. As I said, it often pops up in subsequent pregnancies for people. I've given talks where people have come up to me at the end and said, I've just realised that this was my experience 20 years ago. So, you know, it can sit with people for a very long time. And often it's about allowing people to reframe it and think, you know, actually, yes, that, that did happen to me a little bit or a lot, you know, but just allowing them to speak about it. Mm. Someone has said, I was told my traumatic birth was extremely bad luck and I still feel like now, four years later, I have no closure and it's put me off trying for a second baby. How can I move on? And someone else has asked, how do you go into your next pregnancy and birth without fear? I thought I'd loop those two together because they're both about subsequent. Well, firstly... It wasn't bad luck. The wording, it's awful. Yeah. Trauma is often about language. So people can quote things that were said to them verbatim years later and how it made them feel. And it's like it's burned into their brain forever. So I could spend hours telling you the terrible things that I've heard said to people. Yeah. And then how it subsequently, of course, makes them feel. 
So it wasn't bad luck. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't anything that you did wrong. It was something that obviously did not go as it should have done. And it's never about something you've done. Sometimes people have a debrief. It depends where you are down the line. If you're sort of a couple of years down the line, not all trusts will offer them. And I have to say that people's experiences of debrief is variable. Some people find it very helpful. Some people don't. But again, it might be something that you speak to GP, health visitor, family, just to kind of unpick that, you know, again, because what matters is how you felt it was. Yeah. That's what matters. And if you felt that something about it was really wrong, badly managed, made you feel frightened, then that's what it was. And we start from there. So it absolutely wasn't bad luck. But I completely understand how horrible that is to hear because it's so silencing. Yeah. I think in terms of future pregnancies, understandably, people do feel anxious because you're going back into the situation where your trauma took place. There's a lot of good stuff on Make Birth Better about planning subsequent pregnancies. So I would think about everything that you can. I always talk about asking people to think what they don't want to happen again, because I think sometimes that's easier than what do I want. But you can usually, people will say very clearly, I don't want that to happen again. I don't want that for pain relief. So things you might think about is a different trust, a different place to give birth. You might think about asking for continuity of care if that's you know, possible. So you have a named midwife who you can build a connection with. You might think about different ways you want your pain to be managed. You might want your partner to advocate for you in a different way. Some people want to have a planned cesarean because they feel it gives them more control. Mm -hmm. Some people want to free birth. You know, it's very, very variable for each person. But really think about the things that you found most difficult and try to map out a different team, a different place of birth, a different way to birth as much as you can. You know, sometimes people will have a doula. Mm -hmm. I know that's not accessible to all. But, you know, if it is, they can be fantastic advocates for really making sure that people's wishes are heard. So just anything that you can do to build this in. Some trusts also offer birth choices appointments. So you can go in very early on and start to have all these conversations about, you know, what I want for pain relief, where I want to be. All of those things, I think, help just build a sense hopefully of safety and feeling more in control. And absolutely for many people, they can have a really empowering and totally different birth experience. So it can happen, but I think you have to get as vocal as you feel able to as early as you can and really start to pull all these different strands together. Yeah. Someone has said, how do you move on from birth trauma when you keep reliving it? I still relive it in the middle of the night while feeding and I can't sleep. How can I move on? Okay. Bless her. Yeah. So I think you describe your, you know, that so clearly and vividly. I can really feel that for you. With all of these things, if it's continuing to impact you day to day, then you need to get some proper support and treatment. And actually, a lot of the therapies used can really help people process their trauma. 
and you can really feel like you assimilate it in a different way so that it doesn't control you anymore that you can come back to it if you want to but it's not just constantly there all the time so I think for you it would be really great if you could get some trauma specialist talking therapy I don't know how far down the line you are with your little one but if you're very newly postnatal you can self-refer to IAPT which is I-A-P-T if you type that into Google with your area say you're in Surrey say it should pop up and you can actually self-refer and you'll be prioritized as a new parent what's the window for that they tend to do it up to a year, but definitely if you're very newly postnatal, they will really try to prioritise right. you. Other trusts have like trauma specialist teams, so it might be worth trying to speak to your health visitor or GP and they will be able to get you to the right person because each area is slightly different in what they offer. But I think for you, like try and think about doing that and it will help. You haven't had any you know, support yet, so you're battling yeah. it all on your own. I find it incredible how so many women try to battle th through things on their own, how we really struggle to ask for help. And it is that yeah. control thing. It's that whatever is in your head, it has the control. And actually yeah. by speaking yeah. out, you're taking the control away from it. So I feel like in many ways that tries to claw you in even more. Yeah. But you've got to kind of, it's breaking away from that because then with help it can all get so much better yeah yeah someone has asked can traumatic childbirth negatively impact breastfeeding and bonding with newborns so with feeding yes there's a lot of different reasons for that so if you've had a very traumatic childbirth that perhaps say has stemmed from something physically you might have had a bleed or been physically unwell it can actually just affect your milk flow because you've mm -hmm. been poorly so you might have less milk and it really tends to propel people on two different routes, I find. So the one is where you've had a traumatic birth and then people become preoccupied with feeding because they feel like this is something that I can do and get right. So they really push themselves to feed, sometimes in a way that, you know, is at detriment to themselves because yeah. they just feel like I have to get this bit right. But then for another group, it can be intensely healing because you've had this difficult start. You felt all over the place, detached, you know, all those things we talked about going on. And feeding can be this lovely moment of grounding and connecting and feeling I'm doing this really, really well. So I think, it, you know, it can affect it for sure. Yeah. In terms of bonding, I'm always really, really mindful of talking about birth trauma and bonding because there are so many things that affect the way we bond yeah, with our absolutely. children millions of things and it is never about your birth trauma meaning that you're a bad mum and mm -hmm. I really want people to hear that because yes there might be some things we see but that's not because you're not a bad mum you're not doing absolutely the best that you can with where you are yeah. So, as I said, sometimes it does make people very super protective of their kids because they're expecting something else to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So they might not even let their partners look after the kids. They don't want to be separated from them. They don't want to take them out. They're checking them all through the night. 
that's the commonest thing I would yeah. see, really. It's rarer for people to kind of really actively avoid their baby, but sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. And again, there are all those things can be treated. So a lot of services now have nursery nurses, parent infant workers that can do a lot of work around connecting that bond. And, you know, it's also important to know that not everybody loves their baby straight away anyway. You know, <laughs> we have this very Hollywood view of what happens after birth, because it's a question that I used to ask a lot, actually, on the podcast is, did you feel that bond? And yeah. I was amazed when people answered no, you know, because that's what yeah. I felt. I didn't. It was an alien thing. He was living inside me and now he's here. And it takes a while, I think, for brain, yeah. heart, body, everything to sort of connect. You've gone through this massive experience mm. of giving birth. It's the way that we've been, we've seen it. It's been told. We've been given the narration, the narrative. And when we don't go down that path or it feels a little yeah. bit clunky, I guess, in a way, we immediately start to go, oh, my gosh, I'm rubbish at this. I don't know my baby. What yeah. does this mean? Yeah, and of course you don't know your baby because you've just met them. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't meet anybody else and think, I'm going to know everything about you immediately. Yeah. You know, you're learning. You're learning to be a mum. You're learning them. You're learning mm. what they do, what they don't do. You know, for most of us, it's incredibly messy at the beginning. And we're like, yeah. have I made a mistake? Am I doing yes. this right? <laughs> What's going on? Where's my old life? You know, yeah. there's all these hundreds of things going on. So I think, you know, again, it's one of those things that I think takes time to filter out in terms of trauma itself. Yeah. And virtually everybody wants to care for their baby, of course. Yeah. But, you know, actually not many people would I think, truly say, I love my baby immediately. It, it takes mm-hmm. time. Yeah, absolutely. What are the potential long-term effects of a traumatic birth on a mother? So I think if untreated, they're massive. So, you know, you really think about all the ways it ripples out. Yeah. For mum, obviously, she might be having all these really distressing feelings and emotions that need treatment in their own right. It can really affect your relationship with your partner. It can affect your relationship with your baby. It can affect your whole kind of sense of self and safety in the world. It often affects people in terms of work, like confidence. So loads of ways that, Mm. you know, it can have an impact. All of those can be addressed and treated with the right treatment and support. So I don't want people to think that, you know, in any way, shape or form, it's not untreated untreatable but I think people underestimate how big the ripples can be so sometimes people might feel very triggered Mm. for example by being touched they can't have sex they don't go for things like smears physical health implications so you know it's really important in so many domains of people's life yeah absolutely Someone has asked, final question, what advice do you have for dads or partners who have witnessed birth trauma? Yeah, to know that absolutely what they're feeling is real as well and that we do have a growing literature that dads and partners can be affected and have birth trauma and PTSD from birth. It's mainly around fathers at the moment rather than Mm -hmm. sort of same-sex couples but there are some people looking into that at the moment which is great because that will really help our understanding and it's often very interesting because sometimes I see couples 
both of them will have a different story and trauma. Because if you think about physically where dads just are positionally in a room, they really see things unfold. Mm -hmm. And they often feel that they get pushed further and further into a corner away from mum if things are going on. So they're really watching things unfold and often see different details that mum doesn't see because she might be lying flat or, you know, she's in the moment of giving birth. Men tend to present with all the same symptoms as women. So they can have any of the experiences that we just spoke about. For me, I would really like services postnatally to be family focused not women focused of course it should be women focused but I would like it to be thought of in a more holistic family way because often dads will feel like once mum's had the baby there's nothing for them but there are some really amazing dads that speak about birth trauma in particular um so you know Elliot Ray speaks about it yeah we've had him on the podcast it's incredible he's been an amazing voice for really talking about this and it really wasn't talked about at all Mm. until a couple of years ago and I think many of the new perinatal services are also now looking at involving assessing partners as well postnatally which is great so hopefully we will pick this up for partners as well It makes total sense because you are placed in an environment which you know nothing about. Everything is so overwhelming, can be massive. That's the person that you love, certainly carrying your child. Mm. Going through, you know, that helplessness. I think when you've seen something like that, there definitely needs to be some aftercare. You have to be included in the conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, dads will often, they really talk about that helplessness and powerlessness and feeling that they've let their partner down. You know, I couldn't do anything for her pain. I couldn't resolve things. And I think often, classically, then they kind of bury their feelings because they will want to be there to support their partner. Or often with partners, I think you see them, they go into this busy mode of going back to work, looking after their partner. You know, so it perhaps presents in a slightly different way. But we're definitely thinking about it and talking about it more, which is really good. Yeah, absolutely. Final three sentences that I'd like you to complete, please, Rebecca. (gasps) Although I always feel like when I've got a doctor and I have to call you Dr. Rebecca. You really don't have to call me Dr. Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) You're a doctor. You've worked hard to get the doctor. You should include the doctor in every single sentence. Okay, being a parent means? Constant, beautiful change. If I could tell you one thing, it would be? Don't minimise how you feel. How you feel is valid. And I'm happy when? I am happy when, personally, when I'm just with my kids and my family and we don't have anything to do. We're just knocking about and enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Professionally, <laughs> I'm going to cheat. Professionally, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to be happy when we have all these checks in place for people postnatally as families to make sure we're not missing birth trauma for people. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, it's clear to see how passionate you are about this area and the work that you've done in the five years since setting up. It's just brilliant. And we need people like you to keep campaigning so that more and more women get scooped up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.